Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's Word that we'll give our attention to this morning comes from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. It's the account of God's prophet Elisha raising a young boy from the dead. It's a rather longer reading. We'll begin with that, and then we'll go back and see the wonderful message that God has in mind for us through this account. So please listen. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. His father told the servant, Carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey, so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and, I, and said to her servant, Lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, Tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite, and he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. This is the word of our God. It's a heartbreaking story, at least at the start of it. Here was this woman who had been barren for many years, and yet 
she continued to be a faithful believer in the God who had not blessed her with any children. And just when it probably seemed to her that all hope was gone of ever having a child, she received a promise. A promise that she would indeed have a child, and then about a year later, a son was born to her. Well, you can imagine the joy that this woman must have felt. You can imagine how dearly she loved that child who clearly was a miraculous gift from God. But then one day everything changed. The boy was brought to her complaining of a severe headache. And after a while, holding him on her lap and rocking that child, the boy died. And what does she say to her husband? And what does she say to the servant of Elisha who came to check in with her? She said, it's all right. Everything is all right. So was that faith-born confidence on the part of this woman? Or grief-driven denial? Let's back up a little bit and just get a little bit of history and context on this woman. When Elisha first met this woman from Shunem, as he was making his ministry rounds in Israel, she was married at the time, but as we said before, she had no children. She was a wealthy woman. She was very generous too. Unlike so many others in Israel at that time, she was a faithful believer in the one true God of Israel. She recognized Elisha for who he was, a prophet of God and a teacher of God's people. And her faith sprung into action. She recognized with Elisha an opportunity to serve him and to be served by him. Whenever he was in the area, he was always invited to come and eat at their house. But after a little while, that wasn't enough for this woman. She wanted to do more for this man of God. And so she had spoken with her husband about preparing a room for Elisha up on the roof of their house so that any time that he passed by, he would have a place to rest and to pray in private. Well, Elisha was very grateful for that act of kindness, and he wanted to do something in return for this woman. And so he asked her if maybe he could speak to the king on her behalf. Maybe he could find a place for her to live in the capital city. But we're told that she was content with her home. She enjoyed living among her neighbors, and so she had politely refused that offer. But still, Elisha was determined. So he spoke with his servant about something that they could do to show their appreciation to this woman. Well, the servant pointed out to Elisha that she had no children, and that her husband was already quite old. And so Elisha knew what he could do. He made a promise to that woman. A promise that could only come from God himself. He said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arm. 
almost the exact same promise that God had once made to Abraham and Sarah. It wasn't an easy promise to believe, but the source was too reliable to doubt it or question it. And sure enough, just as the man of God had said, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. At that point in this woman's life, I'm sure it would have been easy for her to confidently proclaim, everything is all right. I mean, God had blessed her with material wealth. God had now blessed her with a son. He had blessed her with that gift of faith and even regular visits from his prophet to nurture that faith. But then came that day. The boy had now grown enough that he could accompany his father out to the fields. And then it happened. Maybe it was sunstroke. We don't know for sure. But the boy began to complain of a severe headache. So the father called one of the servants and said, Pick up the boy and take him back to the house. Give him to his mother. She tried for a while to comfort the boy on her lap. But by noon, the boy was dead. It's hard to imagine a more heartbreaking scenario for this woman. Maybe some of you here know the pain that she was feeling. Maybe you've sat with those who've endured that kind of pain. Especially at the loss of a very young child. Sometimes it seems like no words are really appropriate. And on this occasion, no words would be spoken to this woman. She was all alone. But it's all right, she said. Everything is all right. From this moment forward, everything would be placed into God's hands. She took her son and went up and laid him on the prophet's bed. Then she sent word to her husband to please send a servant and a donkey so that she could go see the man of God. You noticed as we read the text that she made no mention whatsoever about the son's death. Nor does the husband even inquire about that boy that he had sent in the servant's arms to his mother. The only thing he wonders about is why she wants to see the man of God on this day. After all, it wasn't some special celebration or a Sabbath day or something like that. Seems pretty clear from this account that her husband was an unbeliever or at best simply indifferent towards the things of God. This woman doesn't share her grief with him, doesn't even make mention of what had happened to the boy. She wants to make or waste no time getting to Elisha. It's all right. The God who had promised and given this child would know what to do. As she ran to meet Elisha, he saw her from a distance. He knew that something was wrong, but God hadn't revealed it to him. So he sent his servant to ask her, you know, is everyone all right? And she gives that amazing answer, everything is all right. 
And she didn't say that because she had no feelings. She didn't say it because she felt no sorrow over the death of her son. I mean, when she arrived at the place where Elisha was, we're told that she grabbed hold of his feet, and it was clear that she was in bitter distress. She hadn't asked for this child, but she loved him, no doubt. She hadn't wanted to raise her own hopes about the prospect of having a child, but God had clearly raised her hopes. And now, just as quickly and unexpectedly as that child had been given, the child was now gone. And she says, everything is all right. How can she say that? Well, because she had the same faith that Abraham had. You remember when God commanded Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, offer him as a sacrifice at Mount Moriah? Can you imagine the confusion that he must have felt? The bitter distress that he must have been in on that three-day journey to the place, then as he built the altar, as he bound his own son, laid him on that altar and raised the knife? And yet the Bible tells us that Abraham believed that God could raise the dead. Everything in his world at that time <clears throat> must have seemed wrong. And yet Abraham believed that everything was all right. So did this woman. She had faith in the coming Savior. The Savior who would stand with Mary and Martha in their grief and proclaim to them, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Everything is all right. I said before, Jesus' promise of life to his people doesn't mean that every believer has this expectation that when they die, they're going to be raised up again for a few more years here on earth. No, what it means instead is that no believer will ever experience a time when they are separated from their God. Right now, we know that our Lord Jesus is with us always, according to his promise. We know that by faith, and at the moment of death, we will enjoy by sight what up until that point we have known only by faith. And the day will come, when God will raise our mortal bodies, when he will clothe them with immortality and rejoin them with our souls to be with the Lord forever. And so everything is all right. For this Shunammite woman, Elisha paid a little advance on what God promises to all of his people, resurrection and life. Like the woman, Elisha didn't assume anything, but he left matters entirely in God's hands. He sent his servant to race back to the house with his staff, said, place it on the boy. There was no response. The boy didn't awaken. When Elisha finally arrived at the house, he went up to the room where the boy was and shut the door. We're told that he prayed. What could he say in a prayer like that? Your will be done. And on this occasion, 
it was God's will that that boy's life be extended for a time. Taking a cue from the prophet Elijah, his predecessor, Elisha did this unusual thing. He stretched himself out on the boy. Then he got up and paced around the room. Then he did that again. And then suddenly we're told the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. I imagine that the look on Elisha's face was probably similar to the looks on the faces of those who were standing outside the grave of Lazarus when that guy who was in the tomb for four days came walking out alive. Nothing, not even death itself, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Everything is all right. The wages of sin is death. And since all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, then all of us are going to experience death unless the Lord Jesus comes back first. Chances are most of you have already stood at the bedside of a dying loved one or at the graveside of one who has died. And the day will come when it will be your bed in your grave. But thanks to Jesus, we don't need to face that with grief-stricken denial. But rather we can be filled with faith-born confidence. Yes, the wages of sin is death. But Jesus received that wage in full for all of us when he offered himself on the cross. And God demonstrated that he accepted the payment that Jesus made on our behalf by raising him from the dead. And so now, as God's people, we get to look forward to the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in him will never die. That means to say that they will never be separated from the one who lived, died, and rose again for them. And so even in the face of death, we can say with confidence, everything is all right. You know, there is a tradition among many Christians, it's a tradition that my family has as well, that when someone who has died in the Lord is laid in the grave, the final words that are heard at the graveside are these. And they are not spoken, they are sung. I remember singing these words at the graveside of my grandfather. I remember gathering with my siblings and singing them at the graveside of our own father. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I invite you to please stand. And let's join in singing this hymn of praise to the one who is always worthy to receive it, the Lamb of God who undoes death's curse forever. <laughs>